Good morning. That's a little weak. <laughs> Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. Um, if you have your Bible with you, you can go ahead and find the second chapter of Exodus. We'll be in Exodus chapter 2 this morning. And I'm just going to kind of throw this out here this morning, maybe help some guys around here, but it's hard to shop for your wife. It's hard on Christmas, it's hard on our birthday, it's even harder on Mother's Day. And, and if I'm completely honest, it's a little bit stressful. Um, and since I've been through these battles for quite a few years now, I, I want to share what not to buy for any of those things. So let's get into this. First, don't buy anything that plugs in. Don't get that iron, that vacuum, because that's, <laughs> that's not going to work out too well. Um, second one, don't buy clothes that involve sizes. There's a reason for that. Um, the chances are one in 7,000 that you're going to buy the right size. And the other 6,999 times, your wife's going to get offended. Because when she gets that and she says, do I look like a size 32? If that's a size. Um, and, and too small doesn't cut it either because do you know the last time that I fit in a size zero was 20 years ago, even though a zero shouldn't really be a size because, well, zero means nothing, doesn't it? I don't understand it. Um, avoid anything useful. That cleaning product that's going to save hours and hours of work, that's not a good thing. And you might disagree, but don't buy a gym membership. Because she's going to take that as a hint that you need to get in shape and lose some weight. So don't buy that as a gift. Next one, don't buy jewelry. And you might think, I've done pretty good with jewelry. But understand the truth is the jewelry she really wants, you can't afford. And the jewelry you can't afford, she doesn't want. So keep that in mind. Um, finally, don't spend too much. I'm, because then you're going to get, how do you think we can afford that? But, but then you can't spend too little because she's going to think, is that all I'm worth? So just, just keep that in mind as you shop. But on this day, on this Mother's Day, it's good for us to think about how much you do, how much you really do. Uh, because being a mother, it's not always a walk in the park. If you figure that the average mother spends 20 hours a week, about 20 hours a week, taking care of a child, by the time that child reaches 18 years old, that mother has had to handle an extra 18,000 hours of child-generated work. That's a lot, isn't it? In fact, women who've never had children enjoy the equivalent of an extra three months of a year in leisure time. There's a story about a junior high science teacher who lectured for an entire week on the properties of magnets. The next day, he gave the students a pop quiz. In the first question, it said, my name begins with an M. It has six letters, and I pick things up. What am I? And almost all the kids in that class wrote down mother. That was funny. You guys don't have a sense of humor. <laughs> It reminds me of his father who's talking to his little daughter, and she's like, I wants to know what being married's all about. And so he gets out the wedding album, and he kind of explains the whole process and how the day went. And as she's pointing at the pictures, she finally asks, Dad, is that the day that Mom came to work for us? This is the last one. 
there's a quote, if daddy ain't happy, who cares? If mama ain't happy, <laughs> ain't nobody happy. <laughs> I wonder how true that is in most of our houses. But I know that Mother's Day can be difficult for a lot of you. Um, some of you, maybe you wished that you could have had children, and for some reason you couldn't. Um, some of you, you may not have had the best mother in the world. Some of you, you've lost your mother. Some of you have lost a child, and some of you are feeling the pain of a wayward child this morning. And even some of you could be flying solo as you work hard to nurture your child's faith. So this morning, what I want to do is talk to you about a mother that we find in the Old Testament. Her name is Jochebed. And she was the wife of a man named Amran. And, and I have to be honest about this because for a long time, I never really considered her a very good mother. I didn't. But Scripture says otherwise. And that made me really reconsider how I thought about her and about what she did. Uh, she, was, she was a mother of three children. She had a girl and two boys. Uh, the daughter's name, she was the oldest. At, her name was Miriam. Her oldest son's name was Aaron, and her youngest, his name was Moses. And we're going to look at the account of Moses' birth in the second chapter of Exodus this morning. In Exodus, if you don't know, it's the second book of the Bible, it, it, it's, it, and the title of the book actually means exit or departure, and that's exactly what Exodus records. It, it gives an account of the Jewish, the Jewish people's departure from bondage in Egypt. If you remember Genesis, it ends with, with the Israelites finding sanctuary in Egypt. Joseph, he'd been sold into slavery by his brothers, eventually rises to power in the Egyptian government, and, and, and then this great famine hits. And it hits the entire land, and his brothers, they come into Egypt just to get food. And after a couple of encounters, Joseph finally reveals himself to his brothers and said, hey, that thing that you did to me that you meant for evil, God actually meant it for good so that we could all live. And he said, bring dad, bring your families so that you can survive the famine. And they all come, everything's okay, everybody's doing well. And sometime after that, that's where Exodus picks up. Joseph and all of his family have passed away, and a new ruler has come to power in Egypt who doesn't know Joseph, doesn't remember what Joseph did. And the Israelites, during this time, they were multiplying, and the Egyptians started using them as slave labor, and they just kept multiplying. And it got to the point that the king, that the pharaoh gave a command that when and a, a Hebrew woman, when she gave birth, if it was a boy, the midwives had to kill him. If it was a girl, they were allowed to live. But the midwives didn't follow this command. And chapter end ends with this. It says that the Pharaoh commanded all his people, every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile. But you shall let every daughter live. And that, that is a situation that Jochebed has a child. Things aren't looking very promising to have a little boy, but I want us this morning to see how she made the best of this bad situation and how she ultimately trusted in the provision of God. So let's pray, and we'll read the first 10 verses of Exodus chapter 2. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. I uh, thank you for the mothers that are here that have invested 
in their children, sharing their faith, encouraging them to grow closer in their relationship to Christ. Father, I pray that as we look at the account of Moses' birth, as we see how his mother behaved and how she ultimately trusted for you to provide, that sometimes we have to take that step of faith to be obedient, to just depend on you for everything. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for what we'll learn this morning. And thank you so much for your son, Jesus. And it's in his name I pray. Amen. So Exodus chapter 2, starting in the first verse, God's word says, Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took, him, took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, because she said, I drew him out of the water. I, I find it kind of strange, just starting in this chapter, that we're told this man, this woman, they get married, they have a child, and they're not even named. The boy, he is named, but, but, but we don't find out mom and dad's names until chapter 6. But here is Jochebed. She marries, she has a child, it's a boy. And the command of Pharaoh is that any boy born who a Hebrew should be thrown into the Nile. And she can't do it. She can't bring herself to just toss her little boy, her newborn son, into the river to drown. So for three long months, for three months she hid him. And you have to wonder, you have to think, how hard was it to hide a child? They cry, they need baby things. It can't be easy. But for three months she couldn't let him go. And when she could no longer hide him, she made a basket out of papyrus. She coated it with tar and pitch, and she placed her little three-month-old boy in the basket and left it out among the reeds. And I don't know about you, but when I used to read this, I'm thinking she's abandoning him. She didn't want to watch her child die. She didn't want to see him die. She didn't want to watch him drown. So she takes him down to the Nile, just like Pharaoh commanded, and she leaves him there in the basket. Now that basket, it's going to sink eventually. She had already had one son, Aaron. 
Aaron was at least three years older than Moses. He was probably born before Pharaoh gave the command to kill all the boys. She even had an older daughter. So she puts Moses out in this basket in the river. And what's really interesting here is the word for basket. It's a Hebrew word that's only used in one other place in all of the Bible where it's translated ark in Genesis chapters 6 to 8 where we hear about Noah and the ark that he built. And I'm sure that, that Jochebed, she knew that story of Moses. She knew what had happened, how salvation had come to him through an ark. And I'm sure she would have known or trusted that Moses would be delivered from the water as well, just like Noah was. So Jochebed, she leaves, but, but Miriam, she stays to watch. She's not ready to let her little brother go. And when Pharaoh's daughter sees that ark sitting in the reeds, she, she saw that crying child inside of it, and she knew he was a Hebrew. She knew that this was a child that her father had said needs to die. But she felt compassion. She knew her father wanted this child dead. But she had compassion for a child that wasn't even hers. She had compassion for this child that had no hope and no future. And Miriam, his sister, sees this opportunity. And she says, lady, can I go get you a Hebrew to nurse this child? And Pharaoh's daughter says, sure. And she goes and gets her own mom to do it. Jochebed is allowed to nurse her own child with no fear, with no fear of repercussions, and she even gets paid for the privilege by Pharaoh's daughter. And after he's weaned, which would have been three or four years later, he's handed over to the princess. And the princess names him Moses. Now, Moses, it's, it's an Egyptian name. It means the child who was born. It's also played with the Hebrew language in, in a word that, 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 that means water or the one who draws out because he is the child who was born and of the Hebrew who comes from the water. And Moses, four, maybe five years old, is taken into Pharaoh's household to live with Egyptian royalty But he's still left with the hint, with an inkling of who he is and where he came from because of that time that he was allowed to spend with his mother. And for the longest time, I would read this and I would think, boy, she got lucky that day, didn't she? Uh, she left her child. She leaves him in a basket on the river. He's three months old. He can't swim. Never sounded like a good mother to me. Does that sound like a good mom to you? What it sounds like to me is child endangerment. It sounds to me like somebody should have called social services and said, hey, take care of this. Somebody should have reported her to the authorities. She left her baby to die alone. But, but when you read Hebrews chapter 11, you really need to reconsider how you look at this, because I did. 
If you don't know, Hebrews chapter 11 is known as the faith chapter, the hall of faith. It, it lists all the heroes of the faith and people who stand out above the pack for their actions, for their faith, for their trust. And you know who's there? Noah's in there. Abraham's there. Jacob's in there. Joseph. Moses. But let me read Hebrews 11.23. Let me read this. By faith, Moses when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Moses' parents, Jochebed and Amram, are in the hall of faith. They are listed in the same chapter as Abraham. And Jacob, they knew there was something special about their boy. They weren't afraid of the king's edict. And it was only by faith that they did this. Even in the book of Acts, when Stephen gives his speech to the Sanhedrin and, and he recounts the history of the Jewish people, the speech that they wind up killing him for, he says in Acts 7.20, he says, At this time Moses was born, and he was beautiful in God's sight. And he was brought up for three months in his father's house. Stephen says the boy was beautiful to God. He, he wasn't just a good child. He was just no ordinary child. He was, wasn't just a fine-looking child. Moses was beautiful to God. And you may think, well, that's what parents think about their kids. I mean, all parents think that their children, that they're special, don't they? I, I mean, all parents think that their children are beautiful to God. And it's sad to say this, but that's not always true. Not all mothers look at their child that way. Not all fathers will look at their child that way. Some parents, they look at their child and what they see is a burden. They look at that child and they see another mouth to feed. They see another expense they can't afford. They may even look at that child and see something that's going to keep them from doing what they want and living the way they want to. And what I want you to take away more than anything this morning is this. A child is a blessing and never a burden. A child is a blessing and never a burden. See, all children are beautiful to God. Moses' mother, she saw something in her son. She saw that he wasn't ordinary. She saw his potential. She never once thought, this kid, he's just going to be a burden and a strain on my resources. She was willing to risk death in order to keep her son. She wasn't afraid of the king and or his command. She was willing to risk everything to give her son a future. And she wanted him to have the best future she could provide. So she placed her son in a basket in the reeds on the Nile River to be found by Pharaoh's daughter. She was willing to do whatever she needed to do to guarantee that her boy had a future. Jochebed's choice on the Nile that day, it had repercussions throughout the life of Moses. 
Back in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 to 27, it says, By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. See, Jochebed, she became her son's nurse, and she instilled her faith in that little boy. She invested in him when he was young. And when she eventually had to let him go and let him live his life in the home of Pharaoh, when she had to let him make his own choices, what choice did he make? Yeah, he grew up in Pharaoh's home. He grew up with the best of the best. He, he, he had the best education. He had the best and the most expensive clothes. He didn't even know what the word want even means. But he was faced with a choice. He was faced with a choice in life as well as who he would follow. See, he was faced with the choice of following the gods and the society and the morals of the Egyptians. Or he could follow the God that had rescued him from death. But if he chose God, if he chooses God, it would mean giving up all the stuff, the clothes, the money, the chariots. It meant giving up all that it meant to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And Moses made the choice. He made the choice to suffer with the people of God, to suffer with his people. He, he chose to suffer affliction, rather to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And, and I really think it was because of the faith of his mother that he made that decision. Moses looked at the big picture of life. He, he saw that those pleasures, he saw that those sins that he'd be able to enjoy in Pharaoh's household would only last for a season because this life ends. He recognized that there was more value in being disgraced for Christ than all the treasure and all the riches that could be found in Egypt. He recognized the truth that the reward for suffering for God was greater than anything that this world could offer him. Ultimately, he knew there was a king who was much more powerful than the one who sat on the throne in Egypt. Moses did great things in his life. If you don't believe me, read Exodus. And his mother, she must have caught just a glimpse, just a hint when she looked at that newborn son and saw that he was beautiful to God. She saw that child and she saw potential. 
And she saw hope. She saw a son who was capable of anything. And today, mothers are still called to do that. They're, they're meant to see the potential in their child. They, they, they're meant to see the great things that their child is capable of, achieve, of achieving. They see it. And it doesn't mean that, you're, that your child's going to grow up and become the president of the United States. They can. It, it doesn't mean that your child's going to play Major League Baseball. They might. It, it doesn't mean that they'll be a movie star or a famous singer. They definitely could be. They, they could cure cancer. They could eliminate hunger. And even if they don't, they're still beautiful to God. We make this mistake. We make this mistake of thinking that success is what we achieve in our lives. And it's not. Real success is measured by the amount of faith we have in doing what we do in life. Mothers see that. They see that beauty that God sees in each and every one of us. And it's really... And it's the mothers of this world. It's the mothers of this world that can either help their children be true successes in the eyes of God by living their lives in faith and sharing that with their children, or, or they can keep their faith hidden. They can instill in their children's lives the desire to live in faith and obedience to God. And if that means they become the CEO of some major corporation or they wind up working a minimum wage job, Whatever it is, if they do it in faith and recognize what Moses did, that obedience to God is so much more of a reward than anything that this world offers, they'll be successful in the eyes of the one who really matters, God. Mothers are called to do that. And if you're a dad this morning and you're thinking, I am off the hook today, that doesn't apply to me, you're talking about moms... It's her job. It's not. Hebrews 11.23, by faith, Moses, when he was a child, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful. Moses' parents, Jochebed and Amran, together hid him. It wasn't just mom. It was his mom and dad. They acted together. They saw this child that they knew wasn't ordinary. They saw that. See, it's not something that just mothers are called to do. Fathers have a big part to play as well. And the truth is, it's up to godly mothers and fathers to help their children succeed in this world. Not according to the standards of the world, but by the standards of God, by living your life in faith. And you don't even have to be a parent to do this. You can be family, a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle. You don't even have to be family either. As a Christian, we are a family. And we're called to love one another. We're called to build one another up. And we're supposed to invest in the future of all our children.
setting them up to succeed because all of them are beautiful to God. Maybe today you're a mother or father, or maybe you're just somebody who's, who cares about the future. I challenge you today to invest in the children. Help them realize their potential. Make the commitment today to make this a priority in your life from this day forward. See, as a church, we need to be investing in the future because I don't know about you, but I'm not getting any younger. We need to start looking past ourselves and investing in that next generation because if we don't, if we don't invest in them, if we don't have faith that God can still, God can and will use us, if we don't recognize the potential that we have the ability to influence children today, if we don't do anything, what kind of legacy will we have? Would we be listed with the greats like Jacobed and Amram in the Hall of Faith? This morning, as the worship team comes, I guess the biggest challenge is to make that a commitment, to invest in the, into another generation, knowing that they're the future that they're the ones who will carry on what we've started. One of the ways that we'll do that coming up next month is with Vacation Bible School. Just another way for us to show children that we care about them, to share our faith. If you've not signed up for that, I encourage you to. Um, it will be a great opportunity to, to make a difference in somebody's life. Maybe today... You feel like, I'm not too big of a success. Well, most people would have said Moses was a failure when he walked away from Pharaoh's household. He wasn't. He made the right choice that day. To walk away from those things that would distract him from being faithful. Maybe today you need to do that just like Moses did. There's things in your life that are just keeping your walk unsteady. Let it go and walk away. Maybe today you don't know Christ as your Savior. Be a great day to do that, to accept him as your Lord, as your Savior, and to know the truth that, that his death paid the penalty for your sins, to admit that you're a sinner, believe that Christ's death, his burial, and his resurrection was for you, and confess your faith in him. And he'll forgive all of your sins. This morning as we sing, I encourage you, surrender. Let him use you. Invest in that next generation. But make a commitment to be faithful and obedient. I'm going to pray, we'll sing, and I encourage you to come. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the mothers that are here. Thank you for, for just their willingness um, to be here this morning, to have their children, to encourage them, to instill that desire to be close to you. And Lord, I pray for those of us that aren't mothers, 
to still in, be committed to instill that kind of deep-rooted faith that changes lives, that leads people to Christ, and helps us to make a difference for your kingdom. Lord, we know that you're all-powerful. We know how capable you are, and sometimes just taking that little step of faith, that little act of obedience, it leads to a bigger step and another step. Just help us be faithful. Lord, again, I thank you for the mothers here today. Lord, I thank you for your son, Jesus. And it's in his name I pray. Amen.